We all have our own path to walk. It may be obstructed, it may be winding, and no doubt it will have peaks and valleys, but it is ours alone. Like onlookers at a marathon, friends and family can offer encouragement along the way, but ultimately we decide the trajectory that we take. In this series, Juliet Doris Williams offers a clear view from her path that may inform your decisions as you move toward finding your faith. One part spirituality, one part real world practicality, and a serious splash of fun. Here's Juliet. Hi, I'm Juliet. Welcome to Finding Faith. Among other things, I'm the author of Leaving Church, Finding Faith, Six Steps to Finding Your Purpose in the World After Leaving the Christian Church. And I am here in this space chatting with you about the book and other things that may bubble up when we are talking about faith and life and how those, t- how those two things intersect. Because if you are like me, they always intersect. Welcome back. I'm glad you're here. Been thinking about a chapter in my book entitled The Lessons in the Wilderness. For those of you who write journals, keep journals, we tend to keep them, store them, pull them out randomly and reread sections of what we wrote back then. Occasionally, we amaze ourselves at how smart we were then because we were likely going through something. Hence the reason for keeping the journal in the first place. It's, it's our way to cope, our way to make sense of our world. I've been thinking that podcasts are a bit the same, like verbal date stamping. It's, it's orienting to time and space because whatever interests me, whatever it is I want to talk about is in reaction to this moment in time. So, so this is being recorded in the month of September in the year 2020. The year 2020 that may, no, will, will go down in the history books as an extraordinary time for we who live on the planet Earth. We are living history, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, whether or not we believe that we are living in consequential times or not. Don't know about you, but in my circles, we are already describing life as pre-COVID and during COVID. At some point, I am hopeful, we are all hopeful that we can begin living in the post-COVID world. But during the month of September in the year 2020, we are living in the COVID world. And that, my friends, is saying something about who we are and who we are, how we are made, and how we are being made. There's a meme circulating on social media, which talks about how each of us, born of two parents, the progeny of four grandparents who were themselves born of eight parents, and how they were the progeny of 16 parents. And it goes on and on until there's an ending number in the thousands. Now, if we think about the number of the direct line of ancestors who survived long enough to produce the seed that created us, if we think about the history that some of us read about or read about, the events, the wars, the sometimes 
horrifying things that our direct line of ancestors had to survive for us to be alive in this present day. It adds perspective. It, it should add perspective. It adds context, useful context to our lives. We are now living history. Many of us are surviving. Some of us are grieving. None of us are untouched by this moment, a moment that can feel very much like a wilderness because we are in the middle of it and we don't know what the end will look like. Again, thinking about the lessons in the wilderness chapter of my book, that chapter talked about the period when I first walked away from God and the church and through that middle time of returning to both and up to and through that time of leaving the church of my heart, wandering from church community to church community, trying to find my footing again after being denied ordination, something I had been working toward for many, many years. For me, that final part of that wandering was simply away from that thing that gave me comfort away from the people who were in many ways comforting. And if they were not comforting, they were at least familiar. My routine was familiar. The words were familiar. The rituals were familiar and enveloping. They wrapped around me like a warm blanket that assured me that I was forever connected to Christians everywhere across time and space and connected to my creator. A bit like being cocooned. The good part about being cocooned is that sense of safety, warmth and safety. The not so good part is that it can be insular. It can focus your thoughts and experiences in ways that are inward looking, inward looking versus outward looking, inward versus outward focused. I think that's probably true for any group, really, in in the church world, in the corporate world, even in families. And I get that. This is how we how we organize ourselves in, in civilized society. The question becomes what to do when those, when those systems are dysfunctional or at least dysfunctional for you. And maybe, maybe they aren't necessarily dysfunctional, but they are no longer functional for you. There's a great line in Nina Simone's song, You've Got to Learn, That line is, you've got to learn to leave the table when love's no longer being served. In my case, the pain of staying in the familiar was greater than the pain of walking away. So, again, wandering. Church community to church community. The deciding point for whether to stay at any given church community was largely about how I was treated as a as a walk-in, off-the-street visitor. Occasionally, something interesting would be said from the pulpit that would see me coming back for more at the next opportunity. Also likely to happen, something would be said that would send me out the door, never to return to that particular worship space again. So you're probably wondering now, 
What are the things, Juliet, that would send you out the door to continue your journey? Thank you for asking. Racism, misogyny, homophobia are the big ones. Equally big, but would take me a while to discern. A primacy around the, quote, traditional family, unquote. That's much more subtle and would take me some time to pick up. Having survived an abusive marriage, having been a single parent for a number of years and having been made to feel inadequate, somehow incomplete by church communities, that type of language would send me out the door fairly quickly once I figured it out. And a number of those things happened in my church journey, wanderings. The upside, I got super clear about what I believed and the things that I would tolerate, and likewise, the things I wouldn't tolerate. And the more clear I got about those things, the more I recognized that I could no longer cocoon myself into a belief system that tolerated those things. Another upside was I I was no longer settling for what I was being taught being naturally ultra curious, I began seeking after the root of what I was being taught. And I went down many a rabbit hole of study of my holy book, the Bible. Not sure I've actually come out of that rabbit hole. Um, Don't know if I want to, really. There's still so much to study, still so much to discern, and still so many many layers of things to uncover and such is the nature of the living word in retrospect i realized that it was easy to let those things that bothered me go in the comfort of the cocoon i could just let those things float on by as long as everyone was polite those things could not find purchase lord god save me from politeness It has its own special form of tyranny, a tyranny that locks us all into conformity. Now listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be polite, but politeness in the face of racism, homophobia, misogyny, and the like, those things are not only creating hostile environments, but they are doing psychic violence against our neighbors. And in every way that is reciprocal, we are doing violence against our very own selves. In matters of faith, Jesus teaches that whatever we do to the least of these, we do to him. The least of these are whomever is on the other side of that ism that we may be perpetrating with our psychic violence. We are doing harm. And we are sometimes too polite to hold each other accountable for it. So wandering allowed me to shed that conformity. Wandering helped me be open to out-of-the-box service, out-of-the-church-box service. Wandering opened my eyes to the many, many ways there were to love and be in service to my creator, most of which I was already doing. I was just not referencing it as ministry. And that is perhaps the biggest lesson, that if your heart is open, 
if your perspective is broad, if being in service to your creator is your true desire, that as my evangelism professor in seminary once said, if all you are doing in service is giving a cup of water to one who thirsts, you are serving that cup of water in the name of Jesus. And for that moment, for that person, that is your Christian service. I got clear about who I was. I got clear that serving my creator in the box was insufficient. I got clear that my service was in my work. My service was in my writing. My service was in my speaking and teaching. My service was in my sharing. All that I know for sure to those listening over these here airwaves. Easy? Nope. I also got clear that I was going to be pushed, gently pushed, sometimes prodded out of my comfort zone a time or two or three. As always, though, while I may always feel challenged, I am always, always willing. Such is the depth of my devotion. Such is the knowledge that wherever I am, God is there. Whatever it is I am doing, Jesus is the model. Whenever I feel stuck or lost, the Holy Spirit is as near as my breath saying, it's okay, Juliet, it's okay. You got this. Keep going. Just keep going. That's all for now. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, God's got this and you. Sending you peace, sending you love. Until next time, this is Finding Faith.